We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Yeah, have fun. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And Alex adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Would you like to work closer to home, save money on gas, and be rewarded for your hard work and attendance? Then Belicio Foods is looking for you. That's right, Belicio Foods is now hiring for multiple positions and shifts with great employee benefits, an on-site health clinic, competitive wages, and advancement opportunities. Belicio Foods is a company that truly values their employees. Apply online at Beliciofoods.com careers. should be. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the morning show right here on Main Street TV. Today is Thursday, which means the morning news update brought to you by uh, our good friend Nia Henry, and uh, she is an agent for Appalachia Realty, so you can give her a call if you have any real estate needs. And that also means our best buddy, Pete Wilson, is here in the house. So hi, Pete. Hi there. How are we doing today? We're great. Good, good. If only we could talk about the things that we talk about off the air, on the air, the news would be even more exciting, wouldn't it, Pete? Um, okay. You're giving us away. <laughs> You're giving us away. No, we're not too rotten. A little bit. Okay. Just All a right. little bit. So what's going on in the news today, Pete? Okay. Well, we're coming off kind of a major story out of Benton County that uh, is fresh out of the oven. Okay. Uh, this happened uh, yesterday evening. Uh, the Benton County Local Board of Education had a uh, meeting. And uh, even though it was called a regular meeting, it was pretty much uh, for two things that were pretty important on the personnel side. The number one thing is they had to appoint a new school board member. Uh, the backstory is that uh, board member Laura Martin, if you recall, resigned at the end of the November 17th board meeting, kind of without a lot of uh, explanation. Yeah, or notice. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, she said she was resigning at the end of the meeting and then, uh, <clears throat> then walked out um, uh, just as the meeting uh, was adjourning. That left a vacancy. She had been elected to a four-year term in 2021, which means that she hadn't even quite served a year yet. Okay. So uh, that opened up uh, the unexpired term, uh, a portion of the unexpired term, which will go through 2023. Because of the timing, whoever would get appointed, and that was taken care of last night, will only get to serve basically calendar year 2023. And then that unexpired remainder of the term, which will be two years, will be on the ballot. So okay. um, the bottom line is that last night, you know, there were 10 candidates who, Ten. who, 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 wow. who applied. There was a series of executive session meetings where the board uh, legally was able to interview these people under mm -hmm. personnel. Uh, and uh, when they had this meeting last night, um, there was not a lot of controversy uh, there was a lot of not a lot of split votes, and there's you know there's been some divisions there on the board. They all settled unanimously on Misty Napier, and uh, okay. that name is very familiar to Vinton Countyans. There is the new board sitting. That is Misty, who is if you're looking at the photo, second from the right, uh, sitting where she will be sitting for the next year. Uh, from the left are the other school board members. 
uh, Board President Cindy Strasball, uh, Jason Radabaugh, Board Vice President uh, Marianne Hell, then of course Misty Napier, and then Scarlett Newton there on the on the far right. Okay. Um, Ten applicants. Uh, Misty uh, was nominated uh, in open session, and all four board members voted for her. Okay. So it wasn't one of those deals where, you know, uh, well, let's try this. And then, you know, they didn't have enough votes. There was a lot of speculation that that might happen. And when you have 10 people, you're bound to have a lot of, uh, yeah. a lot of different opinions, different opinions on, on yeah. who might be good. For sure. But obviously they must have worked this out um, in their interviewing and like that. And she was obviously acceptable to all candidates. Misty is a well-known in Benton County. She is a Benton County girl, a graduate of Benton County High School. Um, I believe in the class of 1993, uh, she is uh, currently the director of the Rio Grande Community College uh, Center, the MacArthur Center, oh, which is like okay. their branch campus gotcha. up there at, up there uh, in MacArthur. And actually, right now, that branch campus is in the administration building where the board members are. So, you know, Misty is well known anyway from being a local girl, so mm -hmm. as to speak. But she also uh, is in education and has worked with uh, the Vinton County School District, you know, on the transitional things where they work together, the community college and, uh, you know, the schools, particularly the high school. So uh, Misty uh, will be sworn in uh, to serve here for the next year Okay. Uh, when the board has its first meeting of the new year, which will be in the first week or two of January. And... Uh, Red Thompson Jr. was there. We do have a story online already with quotes and everything uh, on our website and uh, with a link to Facebook. And Red, when he was up there, uh, interviewed um, Misty uh, to get some information for the newspaper, but also, you know, for a video. So I think we have that ready to play. Roll it there, Dylan. Thank you. Okay, we're here with Misty Napier. The she was appointed to the Benton County Local School Board of Education. You've worked with the schools in your position as the director of the University of Royal Green MacArthur Center. And what what do you bring to the board? Obviously, you also bring that college perspective, and, and you're also a local citizen. What, what do you bring to the board? I have participated in this community with a lot of initiatives trying to move the community forward. Um, I have served on a lot of boards already. I have experience in public service, so I think I can just kind of marry all of that experience together and help be a positive um, momentum of the board of County Local Schools. A lot of people, a lot of, you, you beat out a very good field. It must be, uh, must be, there's some awful good candidates on the list. Yes, I'm very honored and I know that the other applicants are very well served and I will do my best to uphold their visions as well. And what, since you're on the college side, what do you bring to the board from that side? How can you, since you work for the university and and you're connected to the college world, kind of. How, how can you bring that experience to the local board? Well, I think we all share, obviously, we all share a passion for the students of this community and the future of this community. So it's obviously going to be trying to motivate and foster that idea of workforce development and trying to credential students to achieve their goals, whatever those may be. Okay, very good. And and you, you said you're a county native in ninety what when did you graduate? Nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. 
Well, welcome to the Board of Education. Thank I know you. you're going to do great things. Thank you. Thank you very much. Misty Napier, <laughs> uh, obviously a consensus choice uh, of, the, yeah. of the school board up there. When you know, as I said, there's been some disagreements on some key things. So. Um, appears that uh, everybody positive about Misty's appointment there. Uh, once again, that video uh, can be seen on the Telegram Facebook. We have a story up already on our website that, uh, that uh, everybody can access now. And of course, we'll have that story uh, in our Saturday print edition as well. Thank Red Thompson for being right on top of that and mm -hmm. getting a story done last night. Long day sure. for him. We appreciate him. Uh, another story out of MacArthur. Um, since we're on the Vinton County beat uh, that uh, was not so positive was uh, we had a house fire in MacArthur oh, no. earlier in the week. It happened early Tuesday morning. I think we have a picture there. That is what the house looked like just after the fire. It's still dark there uh, because uh, this fire occurred in the early morning hours, uh, 6.03 a.m. Uh, the location was uh, on East North Street at the intersection of Outlaw Street. That is within the village of MacArthur. Uh, the MacArthur Fire Department uh, did not release names of the owner or the occupants. What we do know, they did confirm that there were people inside the house and they were able to get out okay. Okay. So that part is good news. Uh, also, um, mutual aid assistance came from Zaleski and Hamden. The Vinton County EMS, the EMA, the mm. Sheriff's Office, and the Police Department were all there as well. Unfortunately, though, the owner-occupants there are uh, going to have to rebuild or find another place mm. to live because they declared that a total loss. Sometimes, you know, you look and you see, well, it's standing there, but, you yeah, know, well. usually the interior damage. <laughs> sure. And then the... Then Water the, damage right, is right, the, horrible. The, the invisible, the invisible yeah. culprit is the water and the smoke damage. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, it's just hard to recover, even if maybe something didn't catch on fire. Exactly. All right. Uh, a big story out of Wellston. Uh, you know, it's been kind of like a, a roller coaster on the Wellston football coach situation. Yes. Unfortunately, things just, you know, went south on that whole process last year when a, a new coach was being hired. Remember, Nolan was Yates uh, was the initial choice uh, Vinton County native with some experience, a lot of football coaching experience. He was a player in his time, accepted the job, but then when a teaching position did was not assigned to him that he thought was going to be assigned, he thought that it wasn't the right fit for him. Sure. He resigned. That They were already behind the eight ball as far as timing because football, you know, it's very much an off-season thing now as well as an in-season thing as far mm -hmm. as preparation goes. So... They hired a man by the name of Carl Justice. This was late in the game, I think in May or something like mm -hmm. that. And uh, things uh, did not go real well. And he ended up resigning after the first football game yes. of the season. Now, he did resign. Um, that left Dan Polson, who has been at Wellston for several years, at least as an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. He was the interim head coach throughout yeah, the year. Kind of was like, surprise, now right. you're the coach. So, so you have this coaching carousel. Uh, obviously, you don't have any continuity. Mm -hmm. On top of that, it was a rebuilding year, a true rebuilding year, where, you know, it was probably going to be one of those ones where, uh, you know, young players would have to step up and, and play against, you know, Right. More experienced players on a lot of the other teams. And Wilson, as it turned out, did not win a game this past year. However, uh, one of the goals was to hire a football coach the next year, whoever it would be, no later than January 1st, because there is already 
weightlifting going on right now. Sure. I mean, right. the, it, this is now year round thing. This isn't, you know, just football season. Right. And that doesn't yeah. mean that, you know, maybe some players can't do it on their own, but you, you know, it, for supervision, leadership, uh, Correct. Uh, goals and well, all like bonding, that. all of that stuff. Right. And, and, you know, the numbers were down at <clears> Wellston <throat> as well. Well, they hired a football coach at this last board really? meeting. It was last Monday. And he is very well known uh, in Wellston, which I think will be a, a positive. His name is Chris Graham. Don't have a picture of you to show him that is current, but we're going to get one. We're going to do an in-depth interview with him. But he was chosen at Monday night's meeting. Okay. The vote was unanimous. I believe there were several, uh, at least four candidates that they had, and he was the choice. Chris Graham uh, is a Wellston High School graduate. He has been... In the past, the head basketball coach, mm -hmm. he has been an assistant baseball coach, he has been an assistant football coach. One of the times that he was coaching in football, it was under Chris Hutchison, uh, when they had, when Wilson had a good run of teams there. Mm -hmm. uh, he was football coach then. And as a middle school teacher, and I think a lifelong resident of Wellston, uh, the Grams well known in the Wellston mm -hmm. area, uh, he obviously has uh, uh, community connections and very knowledgeable of the kids in the school and the yeah. families and all like that. And so he is the new head varsity football coach as a result of the unanimous vote by the Wellston Board of Education last uh, Monday evening. Uh, we had that story uh, in our uh, a preliminary story in our Wednesday paper online as well. We will have a follow-up interview with Chris Graham, get his thoughts about why he stepped up to want to take this job and what his approach will be to try to get the Rockets back on track. Okay, cool. And at that Wilson City Board of Education meeting, uh, you know, there's always lots of news that come out of the school board that affect a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, Phil Buffington, our associate editor, was there. He's going to drop by here just a little bit later at the end of the show to talk about a couple of the things that happened there at the school board meeting uh, aside from the football coach hiring. Okay. Well, right. good. I haven't seen Phil in like a hundred years. Well, so. he, he's he's just down the hall. You know, it's like starts to give you a complex after a while. He he is here, <laughs> re ready to roll. He's already written a couple stories out of the school board, so he is prepared. So he does exist. Right, he does exist. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of uh, the uh, the demolition projects, that you're going to see a lot of that coming up in the next year. Yes. Because of uh, because of money available. Uh, for uh, grants through the Jackson County Land Bank. Now, the Jackson County Land Bank is a governmental thing, has uh, commissioners on it, other folks as well. Uh, I think the mayors of both Jackson and Wellston are on it. And they have this money. Uh, not sure whether it comes out of Washington, but it comes statewide. It comes through the Ohio Department of Development, and it allows them to take dilapidated properties yes. and knock them down. Locally, a lot of times it's kind of like a civic beautification pride thing. Mm -hmm. But the reason the Ohio Department of, of Development uh, justifies the spending of money is they think that it opens the door for development on those properties. Because, you know, now and some, you know, some of them are even in commercial locations or whatever. Sure. So, you know, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the justification mm -hmm. on, on the funding. But we actually have a few projects that have started in Jackson County. Jackson County had $500,000 from the Ohio Department of Development. They augmented that with some extra money, $234,000, I think. And they're going to be able to do 40-some properties, and some of them have already done. Uh, uh, we're going to show you a couple photos. Dylan, if you can get them up, over at 271 Bridge Street in Jackson. Yeah. Um, 
there are two buildings that were there. They're not there anyway. These are demolition progress pictures that were taken a week or so ago, but I believe that those uh, lots probably are flattened now. I think Harry Sutcliffe, a Wellston contractor, <laughs> did the work. But there were two structures over there by the New Dollar General Store. Yes. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're trying, to, trying to figure out where we're talking about, 271 Bridge Street. But one of those buildings, there was an antique in there. They had uh, Christmas trees there. Mm -hmm. uh, it was Jeff's Bait Shop, it, it was remember? Je yes, Jeff's Bait Shop. And I believe at one time, that building, one of the buildings was a depot. It was a depot, obviously. yes. Yeah. So Correct. historical value there, but they weren't in very good shape. And now um, some of these properties, most of the properties are owned by the land bank and they can be marketed. The mm -hmm. properties can. In some cases, they're not owned by the land bank, but the owner says, okay, go ahead and tear it down. And the owner keeps the property. In this case, that land is owned by Dollar General. Oh. So that's a little bit different. I, okay. I got that information yeah. at the last Jackson City Council meeting. Uh, according mm -hmm. to Mayor Randy mm -hmm. Evans, who addressed it when there was a question from one of the councilmen, what's going to happen with that land? Well, it's up to Dollar General. Mm -hmm. But Dollar General has said, uh, at least a spokesperson for General Dollar General has told the mayor when uh, this question got asked that they plan to market the property. So they may be selling it themselves. Gotcha. But they had a stake in that property because, you know, uh, they're right next door there. Sure. And they, maybe they weren't exactly sure all what they needed for their development there. So, you always buy the property next to you if you can. Right. Okay. Rule of real estate. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But uh, anyway, we have, a, we, as I said, we have a bunch of properties where contracts are going to be awarded and you will see a lot of activity come the first of the year on demolition. There are six to, I think there's six to eight, six to nine properties where demolition projects have already been approved. Most of them are in Jackson for residential properties. You know, they're spread all over here and there. Mm -hmm. And then we had these two former commercial properties where, you know, the buildings are already down. But, uh, you know, when those, prop, when those contracts are approved, you'll see such buildings as the um, Luby Theater it comes mm -hmm. to mind in Wellston. That will be coming down, yeah. you know. And the 1930s building where there was efforts to try to save it. Yeah, it was that one was a bit controversial because somebody had the idea to save it, but then found out that it probably well, it, wasn't it, it, salvageable. It, well, no, a, a lot more work needed. A lot more work needed there than maybe met the eye. And but isn't it ironic that there's money to tear it down, but there's not money to fix it up? I agreed. <laughs> yeah, I. There you're right. Be, there might be some, but you know. Uh, I guess that they're saying if it's a private thing, you know, you should fund it yourself or mostly. Yeah. So it, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you but, though. But, but uh, the old Coops Pool Hall, just mm -hmm. uh, down uh, down a couple blocks to Maluvi, that will be coming down too. Okay. OJ's uh, there on the south end on South Pennsylvania Avenue will be coming down as well. I think that may be one of the first okay. in Wellston. All right. So that uh, we will have a story about the update on the land bank and the, all those demolition projects. Uh, Coming up uh, next week in the paper, we've got a, a detailed story coming there. There's also a bunch of properties that are going to be coming down in Benton County as well. We have a companion separate story coming on that as well. The Land Bank has a meeting, I believe, next week on Tuesday. There may be more information and progress report on where things stand, so we'll certainly watch that. All right, Jackson County Commissioners met on Tuesday, okay. and they had a couple of noteworthy presentations, and we have good news oh, to share this time. We like good news. All right. 
Okay, the latest Kentucky Colonel. You know the, what a Kentucky Colonel is? Yes. It's, we're not talking about chicken makers. No. Nope. We're not nope. talking about the military. Not the original it's an herbs honorary, and spices. An honorary title. Yeah. Where, um, you know, you have to be put up for it. You have to be accepted. The governor himself, Andy Bashir in Kentucky, has to sign on the dotted line that you can be a Kentucky Colonel. And the latest Kentucky Colonel, he thought he was going as a guest to the commissioners, and then instead he was presented with a Kentucky Colonel Award. And oh. that is none other than our good friend, the former magician and now entertainer, Mark Wood. Oh! <laughs> and it's his birthday. And yeah, it's his Mark, birthday. Yeah, Mark, Mark just had a birthday, too. Mark, Mark was going to kind of support Bob Irvin, who I'll tell you about in a minute. Okay. But, but there is Mark. Second, uh, no, third from the left there, holding his a very fancy framed certificate for being a Kentucky colonel. The other people in the photo are all Kentucky colonels. Oh, local okay. Kentucky colonels. I mean, this is an honorary title. You just can't say, I want to be it and get it. You got to go through a, you have to go through a pretty detailed process and you have to be nominated, I think, by a Kentucky colonel. But uh, from the left there in that picture are uh, County, County Commissioner Paul Haller. And John Hensler, they are both Kentucky colonels. Then, of course, Mark Wood, Bob Irvin, historian Bob Irvin, he is a Kentucky colonel. Wilbur McCormick, who kind of like is, I call him the head honcho of the Kentucky colonels. He, in <laughs> he initiates some of the other uh, awards. Gotcha. When, when others become Kentucky colonels. Then you have Rick Knoll, of course, former mayor Tom Evans. And then on the end, former Jackson City Councilman and all-around nice guy, yeah, George Kitchen. George. So congratulations to Mark Wood. You have to say this. Um, you have to really tip your hat to Mark. He, on his own, he's made a career out of being an entertainer. Mm -hmm. You know, he has these bookings really not over, not, not just in our area, but yeah. several states. He'll travel several states away. He remakes himself almost every year as far as that act goes. He used to be Marco the Magician yep. many years ago. I and, remember. He was at worked. my birthday party. That worked. And he had Tar Baby the Clown, his little brother, but he grew up and can't be the clown anymore. <laughs> so, you know, Mark, Mark's done a, a Wild West show. He always has the rope tricks, the balloon animals. That's yeah. standard. But uh, couldn't, couldn't happen to a nicer guy than Mark would. So congratulations on being a Kentucky Colonel. He's always been interested in what's going on in the community as well been very supportive. So congratulations to Mark Wood. Now, the reason that Mark went to the meeting was he wanted to be there for Bob Irvin. The commissioners asked Bob Irvin to come, and Bob Irvin was very willing to come to that meeting because I think we reported on this about a month ago, Bob has written another book. Yes. His ninth book on local history. Can you imagine all the work, the front-end work that goes into that? No. And then the work of putting it together. Uh, and Bob was there at the commissioner's meeting to officially present a copy of the commissioner's library there as a reference thing. Uh, there is the presentation right there. Uh, of course, you see John Hensler on the left, then Bob uh, with John holding up the latest volume, and then commissioners hmm. uh, Paul Haller and uh, Donnie Willis. But this 232-page this this book is titled Jackson County, Its People and Their Stories. It covers a wide range of local historical topics, all of which he researched, compiled, and wrote on his own. I can tell you that there isn't anything like this. You've got to have somebody in every community that oh, not only everybody, a lot of people care sure. about the history, talk about it, we ought to preserve it, but nobody goes to the lengths that Bob no, does to don't. really preserve it, I mean, in bound volumes. Yes. But he has written um, six or seven local histories, and he also, and he has 
written um, new editions where he has added things to mm. the old editions. And he also wrote a book just about uh, the John Hunt Morgan raid of 1863. Yep. And I love local history too. And I would say if I had to vote, but that is the number one historical happening in Jackson County history. Probably, When yes. the Confederate cavalry came through the middle of town here. But if you're interested in Bob's book, it is available for sale. $35 a copy. You can get it at the A.L. Terry Jewelers, downtown Jackson, 214 Broadway Street, or at the Lillian Jones Museum. Um, Ashley will be there to sell it to you also for $35. That's, of course, at 75 Broadway Street, the corner of Broadway and Broad. So congratulations to Bob Irvin. Uh, you know, uh, Bob, yeah. Bob, pretty young-looking guy, but he graduated in 1955, so he is in his 80s, and yep. he's still cranking out that history. Isn't that wild? And, uh, you know, what what a nice man he is on top of that as yes. well. Jennifer's picture's in his new book. All right. Well, I didn't know that. See, you're old enough to be part of history. Horse queen or what? I would have rather it been Horse studio. Queen. Oh, okay. This studio. Right. It's you're just making, not the most flattering you're, you're making history in so many ways. You know, I know that I know that you're an entrepreneur. I know you're a TV host. But to me, the Horse Queen, is your number, <laughs> that is your number one accomplishment. Your my legacy. number one accomplishment. Right. Okay. Forever will always be the 1990 or whatever it was, Horse Queen. Okay. Well, we had all that sad news last week about the death of Ryan Foster, the 35-year-old paramedic firefighter laid to rest after a huge funeral and funeral escort last Saturday, mm -hmm. the Moak Hill High School to Horeb Cemetery. Uh, you know, I, I know it kind of like fades away for everybody, but you've got uh, his widow left yes. with those two young boys. Yes. And you know that, you know, they face certainly some challenges of there. Of course. Anyway, I tell you what, we talked about the camaraderie, uh, the brotherhood that exists among the public uh, serve the public emergency services mm -hmm. people, the firefighters, the EMS, the law enforcement. Well, they have all gotten together and they are going to uh, conduct a public donation drive this Saturday, where the public is invited to step up and help. And this okay. is all about making financial or monetary donations. And Jackson County EMS staffers, firefighters are going to be stationed at different locations. I don't have a list, but you maybe guess where they might be in the busy places in Jackson, Wilson, okay. and Oak Hill. The, the so-called city folks, they'll be in the city, but the rural fire departments, you know, where they, you know, they don't have a big town mm -hmm. or a big store, or whatever, they'll come into town at different places as well. Okay. But from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, On it, Saturday? Yeah, yeah, in busy places in Jackson, Wilson, and Oak Hill. Uh, these folks will volunteer their time to collect donations. I'm sure that probably all of them or most of them are giving donations on their own as it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, any place that you see a fire truck parked or an EMS ambulance that's not on duty for some other reason, that's probably where that donation drive is, uh, is, is taking place. So if you heard about the story and you thought, my gosh, what a tragedy, you yeah. know, what's that young family going to do aside from this, the emotional recovery? Mm -hmm. You know, there's the practical things, the financial end and sure. all like that. Um, this is a chance to help. You know, seek them out. Uh, Jackson, Wellston, Oak Hill from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. I know that the firefighters and the EMS who are mainly going to be the volunteers, there may be some other friends too. Um, they would certainly appreciate it. And they have done so much. Uh, another thing that can be done um, to support uh, Ryan is that 
uh, Rob and Julie Puckett have a, a, an in-house business where they do some signs and stickers and like that. Okay. And they have created a memorial decal that costs five dollars. There it is, right there. And all of the money, all the money <laughs> from the sale of these decals is going to go to the foster family. There's no, you know, no upcharge for them at all. And uh, they do not have a bricks and mortar store, but you can make a connection on their Facebook. Sign Solutions and Graphics or Julie Puckett, and you can see how you can order these online. And as I said, they only cost $5. Okay. And all the money will go to the What a good family. idea. Uh, you see their name in loving memory, uh, and you see the, the logo split between mm -hmm. EMS and fire, which is uh, appropriate because he was both. The big name, Ryan Foster, Medic 3, which was his badge number. And, uh, and then also MJ14, which was his badge number for uh, the fire department. So uh, that's going to be available, I think, on an ongoing basis there. Um, and a, a store in Oak Hill um, called uh, Hometown Sports and More sold T-shirts, too. Now, I guess that sale is over. Okay. Uh, you had to make an order by December 11. It could maybe be revitalized or whatever. But I understand they sold quite a number of T-shirts, and that money is also going to the foster family. That's great. All right. So another thing we want to tell you about is, uh, you know, Ted Witham comes on the, on the TV show every now and then. Sure. Right? Yes. Okay. Good guy, but he is out there working. And I know that that's challenging when, you know, deer season, you're trying yeah. to cover the whole County and you got people who, uh, some who may uh, take liberties in trying to get um, that deer or yeah, whatever. Well, something then, like that. Well, the Ohio Division of Wildlife puts out a monthly newsletter where they talk about some violations that have occurred all around the state. And I think yeah. they do it to show that, you know, you will be held accountable. Right. It's usually not uh, It's usually not one of those deals. Well, don't do that again now. I mean, they nail you. And Ted Witham had one of those <laughs> in Jackson <laughs> County during deer season. I'll tell you about it. Because, you know, maybe, you know, you've heard about something Don't like this. Don't mess with Ted, man. All right. He was made aware during deer season of a potential wildlife violation regarding a spike buck that was checked as a button buck. The hunter was found to have harvested a spike buck with antlers four and seven inches in length and later harvested a 10-point buck. Under Ohio law, a deer with at least one antler three inches or longer must be game-checked as an antler deer. So this was illegal, what this person did. The hunter, they found out about it. Ted found out about it. Uh, the hunter was issued a citation for harvesting two antler deer, not just one, because you know that they, they don't want too many bucks taken in, in a year. Correct. And another for providing false information at a check station lying about what uh -oh. that hunter took. Well, let me tell you, he went to municipal court, and that those violations cost him $1,485 in fines. $1,485. <sighs> Oh my gosh. And on top of that, the second buck, which was illegal because you're only supposed to take one, the High Division of Wildlife has that buck now or whatever they do with it after they get it. <laughs> but it was confiscated. So mind the wildlife laws. Don't and, mess with Ted. Right. And He's like the nicest guy on earth. Just don't do it, stupid it, stuff. Ignorance of those laws are not obviously all right. No, correct. Okay. Um, couple of things. Uh, we, we'll tell you more about this next week. But remember, 
We've got two straight weeks coming of holiday weeks. At the end of the week, we've got Christmas on Saturday the 25th. Yes. We've got New Year's Day on Saturday, January 1st. That's Falls gonna, all kind of weird. <laughs> it's going to throw, you know, governmental meetings and garbage collections and all like that um, into, a, in, mm -hmm. in, in, into a snafu as far as what's regular there. So uh, Jackson City Council, for instance, is not going to meet on the 26th of December. That's a Monday because that's a... Uh, holiday. Technically the holiday. Christmas on right. Sunday. Yeah. I said that wrong. Christmas is on the 25th Sunday and New Year's Day is on Sunday the 1st. Yeah. So most people, including workplaces, private workplaces are going to, most are going to, I think, recognize the Monday after as the holiday. Yeah. Cause that's not fair to get, to, to get to, gypped on your, on your I, day, I, I don't one know day off. a long time ago, whether you got gypped, but that's never going to happen in this modern society. No, definitely not. Right. So anyway, um, we will be giving you some of the notices on that, on how that works. But Jackson City Council, for instance, will meet on the 27th instead of the 26th. So Tuesday instead of Monday. Right. And, okay. the, and the commissioners, instead of meeting on the 27th, because they need preparation time, and the county is actually off the 26th and the 27th. Okay. They got a nice sweet deal. Gotcha. They're not going to have the commissioners meeting the last week of the year until the 29th of December. Okay. So, all right, let's go, let's, uh, let's go to the Christmas stuff now. Okay. Christmas is not here, and we've had a lot of stuff, but we've got more stuff coming. Woohoo! Okay, one of the nicest things that happened on the week before Christmas is the live nativity scene at the Trinity Wesleyan Church in Oak Hill. Okay. That's one of the large churches in Oak Hill. It's at 509 Elm Street, and they're going to have their eighth annual live nativity scene this Saturday, the 17th, from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. They'll have live animals. They'll have, of course, live people in the nativity, buggy rides. Uh, from 6.30 to 7.30, there will be live music in the sanctuary. And in, oh, in, in nice. the, what they call the nativity escape room, uh, they will have a, a place for kids to go ages 5 to 18. And there will be free hot chocolate and cookies. Love that. All that at the Trinity Wesleyan Church this Saturday. And it's just not for the church folk. Of the it's Trinity for everybody. It's, it's for it's the public. For the oh, yeah. No, they want the word out on that. That's so right. we're putting the word out on that. Hey, can I give someone a shout out really quickly? Please that do, that please reminded do me of something. So I had to pick up something yesterday. And I, so I went, um, I'm just going to say it, went to Walmart. Um, and I walked in and there standing in the produce section was the most beautiful choir singing carols what what day was this now yesterday okay just in the middle of the day that's nice and it was lovely and it was so neat it was like the entire store just kind of like <sighs> gathered around them and employees they they had just the biggest smiles on their face and it was just beautiful so as i was shopping through the store i could hear them throughout the store and it was just such a wonderful experience so I asked one of the checkout uh, folks, you know, because I didn't know. I, I could tell it was kind of a, I thought it was a school choir, but it was the Oak Hill School Choir. And right. so I wanted to just give them a shout out and tell them for uh, thank you for making my Walmart shopping experience a very enjoyable one yesterday. And I think they brightened the days of a whole lot of other people as well. well I tell you what. I, it was beautiful. I think it's a mutual injection of Christmas cheer on both ends. The singers, I mean, I'm sure you've been involved in that over the yes. years where you've gone out caroling with a, a group or whatever. And when you get sung too, I mean, it's it, it's touching. It is. It, it, it truly is. And uh, 
there's only one person that I've ever seen that did not want to be sung to, and that was Scrooge. <laughs> and I've never run into any other ball. And I think he came other, around eventually. Uh, he, he, he did come around eventually. That's right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, right. Spoiler alert. All but right. it, it was wonderful. And thank thank you. And thank the school for letting the kids out and all of that. Because I'm sure that's a big ordeal. There was a lot of them. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Santa Claus is still making the rounds. Okay. You know? Santa will be at the Santa House in Jackson. Uh, this... Uh, this Friday and Saturday uh, from, uh, let's see, from 5 p.m. till 7 p.m. And then on uh, Sunday from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. So um, Santa will also be, there. there's the Santa house. That is at Manpower Park, you know, where all the trees are. But it's in the back, so you can't maybe see it from the street, but it's there. It's there, definitely. Right, you can maybe access it easier from, I guess you could say, the Walgreens parking lot, which is actually a shared lot between the park and Walgreens on the back side there. But uh, you can walk across the footbridge, and there you are. Have you gone to see Santa. Santa this year? I have seen Santa, but I've not been on his lap. You you haven't sat on his lap and I, told him I, what I, you want I've, for I've Christmas? Been a, I've been a little busy, but I plan to get around <laughs> to it. But the okay. Santa house, you know, is new. I think it, they refurbished they it last did. year or yes. two years ago. And it's flies. very nice. But there it is right there. And once again, uh, Santa will be, um, will be there uh, from 5 to 7 p.m., both this Friday and Saturday evenings. And then uh, on Sunday... On Sunday, it is two. Well, no, uh, that's something else, which leads me into what else I was going to tell you. That's Santa Claus coming on the uh, Lions Club float from Wellston. Yes. Which they have been making the rounds. They've been through much of Wellston already. They were in Hamden on Monday night. They were in Colton on Tuesday night. I think they were. I mean, the weather sometimes is a deterrent, but they were scheduled to be. Yes. And then I think they were. in a south side of Wellston, either last night or they will be there tonight. Next week, uh, or this coming week, they'll be in Jackson on Sunday on a float from yeah. 2 to 7 Santa's p.m. coming. And then on Monday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And you can't miss it. I mean, Santa will be on the float. They never announce where they're going, but they'll stop. Uh, they'll go through some residential neighborhoods, and they'll stop at places where they're bound to run into people like shopping center, parking lots, and, yes. and maybe one place downtown or whatever. But if you uh, call up the Wellston Lions Club Facebook page, they're pretty active on the nights that they're out on yeah. where they're at. And so you know where to maybe rendezvous. Sure. All right. And they will stop and then and, and let you meet with Santa. It just doesn't move all the time. Yep. That's right. All right. Uh, this Saturday evening, and I know you're going to find out a whole lot more about this. Uh, tomorrow, if okay. I'm not mistaken about your programming plans. Oh, yes. Uh, the DM Davis Choirs are going to do their Gift of Hope concert Saturday evening at the Marquet at 7 p.m. And, uh, you know, there, you know, you don't have to hope that carolers will show up. You can just show up at the Marquet and they'll sing Christmas songs to you. And beautiful Christmas songs. The men's choir, the women's choir. They're and, amazing. Uh, you know, they, do, they do several concerts a year. And this is always one of the mm-hmm. highlights for sure. So that's at the Marquet, 7 p.m. this Saturday. And uh, tickets are available on the Marquet website, which is www.marquettickets.org. Another event that's coming up this Saturday is something new, the inaugural Hot Cocoa Fun Walk and Run. Uh, Okay. It will be on Saturday. 
Uh, it will start at 9 a.m. at the Faith and Fitness Studio there in downtown Jackson, just a couple doors down from our old radio building. Yes. And it will go to Manpower Park and through the decorated Christmas trees in the park. So you're going to get another chance to get injected with Christmas spirit. That's right. The event will feature, of course, hot cocoa. Doesn't that sound good on I a mean, cold day? I mean, I'm thinking so. Candy canes, a symbol of the season, and then a positive message from Pastor Russ Strange. I believe he's with Elevate Ministries. Yes. And this free event is open to everybody. No registration fee. Just show up and participate. Love that. So, you know, I think I see Josie Rader yes. behind this. She's such a sweet girl. She is wonderful. So that will be this uh, this Saturday. Also this Saturday at the Potter Room of the Jackson City Library from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., the Jackson City Library is offering photos with dogs and Santa. So, you know, everybody gets their picture, their kid's picture with Santa. Well, you can get your picture... Get your kid's picture with Santa and the dog and your dog, too. Exactly. It won't, wouldn't that be a nice keepsake picture? And this is a fundraiser. There's no cost to go or to participate, but they would accept donations yeah. and they go to the dog pound. That's exactly right. So that's 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. this Saturday uh, at the Potter Room of the Jackson City Library. A couple of other things. The Jackson Mitten Farm Bureau is going to provide gift wrapping services if anybody needs gift wrapping services, it's me. You ought to see any package, <laughs> any packs that I do. It is thoroughly embarrassing. <laughs> oh, okay? Pete, I, I mean, we I'm, should. I, I'm, I'm calling myself out on that. Can we it, do gift wrap class here next week? <laughs> <laughs> it is really bad. It looks like a four-year-old may have done it. Um, never have quite mastered that. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> It's the truth. It's the truth. We have to have you come in and wrap a package so that we can I, see I it. I would rather sing Oklahoma. <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's, it's going to be Tuesday from 3 p.m. Oh, so to 8 p.m. in the Jackson High School BOAG room. And this is another Kim Harless thing at work. Okay. Uh, the Jackson Vinton Farm Bureau and all three FFA chapter people will be there uh, to wrap your Christmas gifts. And bows, paper and bows will be provided. Or you can bring your own. And simply bring your gifts by, and they will wrap them. Donations are welcome, but they're not going to charge you any set fee or whatever. But the proceeds will go to the FFA chapters at Jackson, Wellston, and Oak Hill. Okay. Uh, also, uh, the Help Me Grow project uh, in Benton County will have uh, a Help Me Grow Grinch Christmas event Tuesday, December the 20th. That's next Tuesday. That will be at the Benton County Community Building. Uh, cookies, cocoa, and crafts will be provided. Of course, the Grinch will be there. See, oh. you're not without things to do, that's for sure. Right, and uh, just looking in the rearview mirror, we wanted to give a tip of the cap to the Jackson High School uh, choir groups and the choir director, Ian Stasco, because they did pull off the D.M. Davis Memorial Carol Sing uh, a week uh, last Wednesday, yes. or it was on December the 8th, a week ago last Wednesday. Yep. The the auditorium at the middle school was full. There you see the symphonic choir, but yep. there was more than just the symphonic choir. There were some solos, other, uh, other choir groups as well, all the way down to junior high, I think. And then there was a time at the end where choir alumni could get up on the stage, stage and sing. That's as well. always fun. Hey, we didn't have fancy outfits like that when <laughs> I was in choir. Well, they, yeah, they did make you. They did make you. Uh, they do make you dress up to that. But that was free, <laughs> and that it, that of course goes all the way back to World War II in yes. Jackson, and that is when I believe you know. Of course, it's associated with the great D. Merrill Davis, one of the great persons in Jackson County history. But uh, they had that. They started that during World War II, just. To help the community spirit a little bit. Yes. Because you had some boys away to war and whatever. 
worried about uh, the war and its impact locally and all, and they wanted to get together and celebrate Christmas. And it has continued on 80 years now. As it should. All right. Well, Mr. Phil Buffington is in the room. He is alive. He's over there, right. As I said, he was at the Wilson. I didn't know he was still here. He's here. He was at the Wilson City Board of Education meeting, does a tremendous job covering um, many of our public affairs, including the Jackson and Wilson School Board, for instance. He's specifically today, he's going to tell you about some of the things that happened at Wilson. We talked about Chris Graham, but there was a whole lot more, and nobody knows more about it in the media than Phil. All right. Very good. Well, thanks, Pete. And um, come in. We'll do Project Gift Wrap next week. Oh, no, we won't. Oh, Oh, yes, we will, Pete. (laughs) He doesn't know it yet, but we're so going to do something like that. Hi, Phil. I didn't know that you were still around. I haven't seen you in so long. I just stay back in that corner office there. It starts to give us a complex when you don't ever come to see us anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You are married, aren't you? I just sure you, am. you learned to say. <laughs> he went straight to I'm sorry. Just go for the appeasement immediately. <laughs> oh shoot! Well, how are the twins cooking? Good. Yeah, uh, she's almost thirty-three weeks now. Oh wow. Yeah. Pretty close. Mm-hmm. It probably won't make it another 30 days, I wouldn't think. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be one. There's going to be two. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. I just, I can't wait. It'll be fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. I'm just, I, once it's once it's over, it'll be, I'll feel better. There's just a whole lot that can go wrong, and I'm the master of finding things that can go wrong. That's I hear you. Yeah. Well, it will be fine. Yeah. It's all good. Yes. Well, speaking of things that are going wrong. Uh, <laughs> Great segue. The best segue ever. <laughs> so at the all right, this is not really funny, but that was kind of funny. <laughs> at, the, at the beginning of the year. This is why he doesn't ever come in here. <laughs> At the beginning of the year, um, with a little bit of the ARPA money that was left over, um, Wellston City Schools through, it it all originated through ARPA money and it it came out through the emergency um, secondary school, whatever. They they divvied it up. And the money um, that they were going to use for a facilities project, uh, it was twofold. There was some HVAC upgrades at Bundy. Okay. And they were going to build... Um, a fitness facility, like a weight room, field house type facility at the new track at the high school and also separate in another building have a concession stand in a restroom area. And Um, this was all money that kind of came in like government money and for COVID relief and all of that stuff. Yep. Okay. Um, So this has been, you know, going on since January. Um, They've made, you know, a lot of steps forward. Um, they've gotten some guaranteed max prices for the the Bundy stuff, and they actually had one for the Fieldhouse project too. But at the most recent meeting on Monday night, they unfortunately found out that all the bids that have come back for the Fieldhouse project were way over the estimates. Okay. And so, not knowing a whole lot of detail about it at that time, they're going to have another meeting in January with the architects and the you know attorneys and such. To learn a little bit more about why that might be 
But, you know, the little bit of insight that was provided from Superintendent Brian Rao was the area in which they had planned to build either of these two buildings, there were some underground utilities in the way. They knew about those, at least some of those, in the beginning, uh, one of which uh, John Jackson, who is a you know local mm-hmm. contractor, he's also on the board, had said that the sanitary sewer line was in the way at first and they were going to reroute that. But it turns out now that it's it, it appears to be an underground um, electric line is in the way. Oh. And so that is what he believes is raising up these bids that are coming in so high up over the estimates, uh, which is, you know, a pretty big deal. They didn't, they were trying their best not to spend hardly any of the district's money if possible, but correct. So, I mean, as that's being explained, board president, Terry Gill, you know, kind of expressed his dissatisfaction with that, especially since as the last time that it had been addressed at a school board meeting, it seemed as though everything was in order. Everything was fine. Yeah. And they were actually supposed to start building this in March. Well, so who knows how much longer this is going to be prolonged now. I mean, if anybody knows anything about construction projects, you know that things get thrown at you that you have that are completely out of your control. And that's very frustrating, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, it's unfor- At the last meeting, the discussion was, well, we came in over budget, so we have to make you know these slight changes to some of the designs, some of the wish list things that mm-hmm. they had. So it had already been altered from what they originally thought they were going to have, and gotcha. now they're left with, you know, over the next few weeks, you know, deciding whether or not they're open to redesigning this entirely, whether or not they're open to moving where they were going to put the building, you know, all these things that could be. Um, and we'll know more next month when the representatives from the architect companies get together with the attorneys and the board and uh, hash all that out. But, um, yeah, so that was pretty disappointing, especially for the board members I who have been involved that. with this. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think it's going to completely fall through, but it's just been pushed out that much further. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, unless, you know, maybe there's some good news that will come out of the meeting in January. There are a couple of meetings ahead of that one just to get them prepared. But again, we'll know more about that. And this story will be um, online and in an upcoming edition. So you can learn more about that, too. Okay. And also during that meeting, uh, this is a discussion that I haven't heard anywhere else. I mean, I know there are some other major news outlets, you know, in the state that have discussed it, but I haven't really seen much talk about it. There is a Senate bill that's already passed the Senate. It's on its way to the House. Um, it appears as though it's being pushed through fairly quickly. I think it was just introduced in November. It's already passed the Senate and on its way to the House. Well, that's quick. Yeah, very quick. And it's called uh, Senate Bill 178. And okay. it um, was discussed in fairly good detail by Superintendent Rao at the last meeting of the Wellston Board. Um, and he is... Not a fan. Uh, it doesn't appear as though many people in public education are uh, too keen on this. It proposes a major overhaul of the leadership of the public education system in Ohio, which currently is headed up by the Ohio Department of Education, the Ohio Board of Education, and the Superintendent of Public Instruction. So this bill, among other things, proposes um, basically stripping all those powers away, and those are publicly elected 
positions, by the way. Okay. So they represent the people in their own districts. So it would take all that power away, and it would create a new department called the Department of Education and Workforce, uh, the leader of which would be appointed by the governor. And then there would be oh some my. there would be some divisions inside of that, uh, one for secondary and primary education. That leader would be picked by the governor. There would be a division of career and technical education, the leader of which appointed by the governor. So in Dr. Rao's opinion and in many other people's Whoa. opinion, it sounds very political and it more or less takes away the input of uh, public stakeholders mm-hmm. in the, the public education system. And what was most frustrating for Dr. Rao in particular was the fact that that very night when he was discussing this, he had received um, information and on how to submit testimony against the passage of this legislation. The deadline for that was six hours before the meeting had started. So they had already missed the deadline to even speak out against it and have an opportunity to go to the state house and testify. Yeah. So this got pushed through so fast. He said that there was no time for anyone to mount any sort of a defense. Mm-hmm. And according to some of the, uh, some of the people he has spoken with that have a little bit of insight into such things, he he's heard that this is going to pass the house also. And the governor has already said that he plans to sign it once it makes it to his desk. Why is why? What's the point of all of this? Well, the, the individual who presented the legislation, um, it's uh, state Senator, uh, Reniki, I think he's from Tiffin. Um, Republican or Democrat? Republican. Okay. And that's another thing, too. Uh, it had gotten to the point where the State Board of Education, I think seven out of the 11 members had become Democrats. And so we're in a lame duck session of, you know, the House and Senate right now. A lot yeah. of people that are in power now won't be after the first of the year. That was another thing that Dr. Al pointed out. Um, it's, it's usually never a good thing when something gets rushed through under everyone's mm, noses. No, yeah. Um, so I'm sure this will be talked about more, uh, as it goes on, but the state Senator, uh, Renake basically said that they want to be able to focus a little bit more on work, workforce skills and have career ready adults out of the public education system in Ohio. And he described this particular piece of legislation as um, one of the first steps in a much needed modern overhaul of the Ohio Department of Education. Um, and that's what most of the proponents of this legislation claim that, you know, this is an archaic system that doesn't necessarily have everybody's best interests at heart. There are some provisions of the legislation that Dr. Rao agrees with. Okay. Um, including uh, more of a focus on that career technical uh, pathway. Mm-hmm. And getting information out to seventh and eighth graders, get them, you know, an early idea of yep. how to meet the state's graduation requirements if you take that career technical education. That path. makes sense. That yeah, absolutely. And it also requires this new Department of Education and Workforce to seek out in demand jobs and to give that information to school districts so they can pass that down to students. That makes sense. That too. absolutely makes sense. So they've they've bundled in some good with a lot of bad, it seems like. I mean, that's subjective, but it, it does it doesn't ever seem right to take away power from people that are put in by the people and then yeah. leave it up to one person to to then pick Correct. who gets to make those decisions from now on. 
Um, and unfortunately, I mean, there there's still time for people to speak out to their representatives now, not senators, but their representatives to maybe encourage them to not push this through. Does that take away like local school boards and things like that or? Not so much. I mean, everything will still be done as, as usual on the local front. It, it's more of a just, state level. Yeah. Who's in charge making the decisions up there. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not really sure how that would maybe affect like OSBA. I don't think it'll affect that, but um, I don't even, I, I would assume that it would completely get, do away with the state board. I mean, if they don't have any power, there would be no point in, in being there anymore. Um, hmm. So this, I believe, will need to be, if they want it to get past as it is now, since it is a lame duck session, and after the first of the year, you'll have some new faces in there. I think it will need to be presented to Governor DeWine by the end of the year. Um, and like I said, he's already indicated he'll sign it. So, I mean, this could very well be in effect by the start of the new year. And that's going to be a, a sweeping change uh, to the state's leadership with regard to public education. And Dr. Rao, you know, this has been presented as a restructuring of the public education system. He's describing it as a dismantling. Oh. of that education system. And um, and like I said, locally, he's the only one so far that has really said anything about this. I, I had no idea. I'd be interested in what the, the other, you know, mm-hmm. superintendents, things like that would have to say about it. Yeah. And I mean, as, as quietly and quickly as this moved through, I mean, a lot of people maybe haven't had the opportunity to really sit down and, and look at it. Mm-hmm. And of course, like any other piece of legislation, it's about a thousand pages long. Uh, I looked I looked at it yesterday <laughs> and the day before. And written in a bunch of lawyeries. Yeah. And I mean, it just, all those, they start off with all the sections of the ORC that it uh, speaks to, which is probably four or five pages worth. So it takes a lot of time to pay attention to all these things, uh, especially when you've got a million other things to do, like he said. Correct. So by the time this got to anyone, you know, to take any action, it was too late, Mm. unfortunately. That's shady. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I don't know. I don't I'll need to follow up to see if there was any testimony given on this, Mm -hmm. if anybody had any time and see, you know, what kind of things are being said. If a lot of people believe in uh, the types of things that Dr. Rao does seems to be the consensus right now from what I've seen just in a broad brush examination of it. A lot more people seem to be against it than seem to be for it. Interesting. And like I said, the people that are for it are highlighting the things that everybody would think would be good. Like the focus yeah. on career technical yes, for younger of students. Course. And yeah. Love Not that. so much mentioning the fact that it strips away <laughs> stakeholder input. Um, so <clears throat> that'll be something to keep an eye on as we, uh, as we go into the next year. And it's house bill. What would you Senate, say? Or Senate bill, Senate bill 178, 178. So you can Google that if you want to. Yeah. And may the force be with you. <laughs> trying to understand it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So that we could have a, an entire new, uh, system of public education come 2023. That's wild. Yeah. For sure. Well, what the heck? And I don't know what, I mean, there were just elections, and I'm sure that some of those had to do with the State Board of Education. I just don't, I don't know how you can justify taking that away from everyone after they just got it. Agreed. Especially when the people speak, you know. It's, yeah. it's tough. I don't know. It's, it's tough when you take we don't have any power over anything anymore, you know, and it's like one more thing that I guess gets stripped from you, but 
I don't know. I mean, some people think that this type of a move is indicative of an effort to maybe consolidate mm -hmm. some of the school districts across the state. Like, for instance, in Pike County, you have four high schools that probably together oh. don't even amount to how many kids graduate from Jackson. I gotcha. So maybe that's an effort to save money from the state since mm -hmm. they have to fund all four of those schools as an example, you know, individually make a consolidated countywide school district. That way you're only paying one instead of four. Yeah. Different set of eyes, different approach maybe, but I don't know. Rushing things through just always bugs me. Well, I yeah, like especially when it's something that, you know, it's, it's empowered, you know, that's the, the education of our children. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of the most important things. And I mean, the, the system we have now might not necessarily be, you know, perfect, but it offers a way for the public to have their input heard via the people they elect. Mm -hmm. So it all mm. kind of falls to the governor at that, you know. Yeah. Well, that's a stressful thing, too. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Phil, thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. You're welcome. All Thanks right. For having me. What, what are you asking Santa for? I don't know. I didn't really ask for anything. The other night we were talking about that and I said what I wanted. I said, all I really want is this. And she's like, well, I already got that. <laughs> so, I mean, she's, she understands me. She knows what I like. Uh -huh. so she already got me the one thing I wanted. So I'm, I'm pleased. There you go. And it's hard to like when you're an adult to think about that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So I do want to get a new, uh, you know what a raspberry pie is? Not a, not th not that you eat. No. Yeah. What is a raspberry pie? It's it's basically a, a, a little computer, and they put thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of games on an SD card. You plug it in there, you, and it's a video game console. You oh. have all like the whole library of Nintendo games, Sega games. Oh, cool! <clears throat> I have one now, but they're coming out with these new ones. I mean, that have. 60 plus consoles on them that have tens of thousands of games. So I've thought about maybe getting Parker one of those since, I mean, we already have one, but I think we could maybe upgrade and get him a new one. He really, I mean, he chooses to play that over the switch and, you know, all the newer it's, games that he has. It's funny how many kids I've talked to that or parents I've talked to that, you know, they have like an old school Pac-Man or Galaga or something. And it's like their kids choose to play that. And I'm like, cool. Nine times out of 10, he wants to play the retro. That's so pie. funny. Yeah. Love that. Well, I didn't know that thing existed. Cool. You need to check that out. It's, I mean, they're only like, uh, you know, I say only, but if you had to buy all those individually, oh my you'd never be able to afford it. Yeah. So these are like a couple $300. And I mean, the one that I've had, I've had for years and years. Okay. And like I said, it's only about this big. Oh. So. And you just hook it to a neat. TV? Or? Yeah, you plug it in with an HDMI cable and it comes with uh, USB controllers. You can even get the old school Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, any kind. I use the Xbox controllers. Nice. But uh, yeah, super cool. Definitely need to check that out. All right. See, you learn something new every day right here on this program. <laughs> if it's geeky, I know about it. I promise you. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> All right. Well, Phil, thanks so much for spending your time with us this morning, even though you don't ever come say hi or anything. <laughs> Not that I'm better. Oh, okay. But I am kind of a humbug, but... <laughs>
<laughs> That's all right. We'll forgive you. All right. Well, have a great day, everybody. And uh, tomorrow, our special guests will be our friends from the DM Davis Choir, I think. Right, James? So we'll be hearing about their special concert they have coming up this weekend. So we always look forward to that. Rick and his chicks. That's right. <laughs> have a great day, everyone. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Bye. This just in. The Telegram News has a new website. TheTelegramNews.com. Same dedicated coverage. Same trustworthy news with a brand new look. Covering Jackson and Benton County and surrounding areas. Locally owned and operated, TheTelegramNews.com has its finger on the pulse of the community. Stay up to date on local events, high school sports, and breaking news. TheTelegramNews.com. Subscribe today at TheTelegramNews.com. Check it out.